If you have your Bible, your phone, whatever it may be, you can pull it out or you can look on the screen. But there's a word from the Lord. There's a word from the Lord. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And begin with verse number 35. Romans 8.35. This is just an incredible scripture for those that are in a place you might be discouraged, you might be challenged, you might be hurting, you might be wondering, you might be questioning. Uh, this is just a reminder. If it's not underlined in your Bible or highlighted in your Bible app, highlight it today because you just might need it in the future. I've needed it many times. Romans eight thirty five. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then 37 says this, says, no, in all these things. Everybody say all these things. All these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For just the next few moments, I'd like to share executive order. Executive order. I would suggest to you today that it should bother you when you see pictures of children wrapped in mylar blankets behind fences. It should bother you when you hear the recordings of children that are crying out for their mother and father. I would suggest to those that are lovers of God and lovers of Christ that, that something should disturb you when you hear that people are being separated as families. Something should bother you when the Bible is used in the wrong way. Something should disturb you and cause you to get frustrated and, and upset when you see the tears and the cries and, and, and there are mothers that have no idea when they are going to send their child, see their child again. Something should disturb you. Something should keep you maybe a little bit restless at night. You shouldn't feel comfortable about the fact that they put up tents like they would have carnivals in near the border and pack people in there waiting for a trial that they do not know when is going to happen. Something should bother you and disturb you when an executive order is made that there is zero tolerance. Something within the Christian's heart. But I would suggest to you that this is not new. As a, result, as a result of this, we are now coming to the realization because uh, since the month of April up until now, and I'm sure the numbers are continuing to climb, that nearly 2,700 children have been separated from their parents. This is not new. For down throughout time, Jim Crow did the same thing. 
uh, separating families from one another. This is not new for when three strikes laws and the war on drugs that was slated to penalize uh, those that came from the hood and the black community causing fathers to be in prison longer than they ever should have been for crimes that were much less when their white counterparts received less time for the very same thing. This is not new. Separation should bother us. Separation should bother us because if anybody should know about it, our community should know the detrimental effects of separating families. If anybody should be speaking up and saying something and being angry and beating down the doors of those and going down and standing in solidarity with those that are coming from countries where there is war and there is poverty, trying to find a better life for their children and themselves, something should bother you. Something should bother you, but I would suggest to you that this is not new. For there were those that were put on slave ships and brought here abroad and then impregnated by slave owners. And when the child was born, the child was snatched from the mother's arms. Something should bother you about separation. We cannot sit there with our mouths closed and we can argue on the left and argue on the right. But the Christian perspective is that we stand on the principle of love. Where has love gone? Where is the love? I would suggest to you today that that yes, there are some that are frustrated about one reason or another reason, but somewhere deep down in the heart of God, there is something that motivates as an engine that begins to move that says, wait a minute, wait a minute, what does love have to say about this executive order? When I look around and I see that there are some that have been separated Imprisoned, in pain, struggling, and crying for years and years, I would suggest that this is not new. This is an old problem looking like something new. For if we go back just a little bit further, I would suggest to you that there were those that tried to separate those from loving God trying to separate those that would choose to worship him. As a matter of fact, to this day, what we take for granted, others do in secret and try to hold their peace because they have learned of the saving power of Jesus Christ, but they cannot gather in churches and they cannot lift their hands and they cannot cry out hallelujah because it will literally cost their lives. They are separated from the joy of gathering with one another, which disturbs me and frustrates me because when we We gather together with all that we have. We want to fight one another. My heart bleeds because some have been separated from the church of God because they said that they are not welcome. They don't look right. You're not welcome in the house of God. Something's wrong with that. You're not welcome because you have too much sin in your lives. You're not welcome here. You're separated from us. Some are frustrated and they leave and they question God never to look back, not because of what God has said, but because of the executive orders that men have made. I would suggest to you today that 
this is not new. For in the very beginning, if you walk all the way down to the book of Genesis where there was Adam and there was Eve, the desire of the enemy of you and I's soul to there to separate us from the plan and the love of God. And when we fell in the Garden of Eden, we've been trying to bridge the gap. I would suggest that what we're seeing on the borders in McAllen, Texas, Along the borders of Arizona, along the borders of California is not new, but the Christian response needs to be different. The Christian response is, blows and supersedes those things that, that we see. For the Christian stands up and says, an injustice somewhere is an injustice everywhere. But a Christian response says, I stand up and I stand with my brothers and sisters and I do my best to demonstrate love toward them. But I would suggest this is not new. For there's a separation between those that have and those that have not. For as you look at the economy, you would realize and you would understand that the haves keep on having more and the have-nots keep on having less. There's a separation between those that have and those that do not have. And there is no urgency to try and bridge that gap. This is not new. But our response has got to be different. My brothers and sisters, the executive orders that the person who sits in Pennsylvania Avenue is subservient to the one that sits on the throne as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I would suggest that there is a new executive order, but it's not new. It might be new to us and it might be new to some, but it was written from the foundation of the earth. For we were created out of love. We were created with love and we were created to love. We are created of a God, from a God that is love. And if you don't believe me, just consider what first John chapter four has to say. First John chapter four, it reads and it says this beginning with verse number 13. First John chapter four, beginning with verse number 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Everybody say his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son. Everybody say his son. His son has sent his son unto us, the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And then hear this. I love this scripture because it is the order that all of us should live by. And that is this. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Pause. Confidence on the day of judgment. Those who operate under the executive order of love have no fear of the day of judgment. But those who turn a blind eye to the suffering, 
those that turn a blind eye to those that are in pain, those that turn a blind eye to those that are the least of these, those that turn a blind eye and a blind heart and have a cold shoulder to those that perhaps have not had the sparkly clean journey that others have had, I would suggest to you that we are not living off of the principle of love, for the Bible lets us know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let's get this straight. We only going to make it to the kingdom because God loved us first. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who the blood comes from if I need it. All that matters is that I get it and that it saves my life. But there's a blood that saves every life. And that is the blood of Jesus, and that blood that was shed was shed out of love. Paul begins to share a word of hope and a new executive order that the Christian is to live by. And he begins to ask a series of questions. These are good questions for us to consider and good questions for us to think about because uh, for those that are stuck in a place where, where, where we're all trying to do the right thing and trying to be perfect and try to be better than others and other things like that, I can remember there was a time in my life when I would sit down on the edge of my bed and I begin to think, I say, God, did I do anything wrong today? Did I do? Because if you were to come today, I'm so scared. I don't want to be, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. And I would I, I put myself through anxiety and angst because I was not operating off of the principle of love. And he asked this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is an important question for any person, whether you've been in the church for 40 years or you've been in the church for 40 minutes. What can separate you from the love of God? Shall trouble? Everybody say trouble. Trouble is something that can oftentimes separate us from God because when times get hard, we begin to lean on our own understanding. Am I right about it? When things don't go our way, we begin to ask God questions about why is life so hard? Why did so-and-so die? Why did I get this disease? Why didn't I get the job? Why didn't I get the house? Why didn't I get the raise? Why can't I have a child? Why am I not married? Why don't I have what they have? And we ask these questions and we get mad at God. Trouble can separate us from God. But I'm here to tell you today, don't let trouble get in the way. Don't let the challenges of life get in the way. Can trouble separate you? Absolutely it can, but it doesn't have to. There's a new executive order because now when we realize that God has plans for us and those plans are not rooted in punishing us, but those plans are rooted in loving us and having us live the abundant life that John 10, 10 talks about, we can step back and we say, God, you brought me to the mountain. Now give me strength to climb. That's the difference. Can hardship or persecution This is relevant for those that he is writing to during this time. Because during that time, following Christ meant that you could literally lose your life. 
And he's letting people know, don't be discouraged by the swords you may see and and by those that are your brothers and your sisters that might be persecuted for the name of Christ. You stand strong and you keep standing on his love. You keep pushing forward. You keep demonstrating what Christ has planted in you, how he's forgiven you and loved you. My brothers and sisters, it might not always be as easy as it is now, but we need to prepare ourselves for the day when it gets difficult because a whole lot of folk are going to cave in when life gets tough oh yeah it's kind of like life you find out who your real friends are when you make some real mistakes you find out who your real friends are when you go through challenges and you go through struggles and they and they advocate for you instead of talking about you says can hardship or persecution or famine When I was a junior in college, I had the privilege of going on a mission trip to southern Sudan. I did not know all of the issues that were going on there. But when I was there, when we began to travel into the the distant, faraway places from civilization, I realized that there were literally people who had not eaten for days. And then I saw a young child that was probably no more than eight or nine years old. And around his neck was a machine gun, chiseled out of wood, training the mind of a child to be a soldier and to be a warrior. I can remember hearing the airplanes of the World Food Program that flew overhead and and they did not want to land on the ground. And so what they would do is they would place food called BP-5 on pallets and and the plane would fly over the drop zone and then it would make a steep incline and and the food would fall out of the pallets down onto the ground and you could hear the thud of it falling from miles around. And you would get a foil packet and it would be crumbly, but it would have vitamins and nutrients there. And and that's how they survived famine. I've seen it with my own eyes. How famine can break the human spirits. How it can break hope within a person. How it can cause a mother to become hopeless and and, 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 and cause a child to there be, be motionless and, and look to his mother for help she cannot provide. During this time, the biblical writer is letting us know that even if you face famine, can that separate you from the love of God? No. Can nakedness or danger or sword? No, it cannot separate you from the love of God. And this is pivotal and this is important because each and every one of us in our lives, we ask the question perhaps at one point in time or another, hear me today, church, have I done something bad enough where God will not qualify me for his love? I want to make it clear to you today, there is nothing that you can do that disqualifies you from the love, the grace, and the mercy of God. Can you say amen? Amen. 
doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've done it. It does not matter to God. What matters to him is if you acknowledge him as the savior of your life, you are good and you are in. Of course, after we come into the saving love of Jesus Christ, when you fall in love, you begin to find out and say, well, what does love require of me? What is it that I must do as I've been given this grace and this love. And, and, then, and then we begin to fall in line with those things that, that the word of God asks us to do. I love how my father put it years ago. He says, I don't keep the law of God to be saved. I keep it because I'm saved. Fundamental difference. Because when love asks you to do something, you do it with joy. When fear asks you to do something, you do it out of fear. It begins to end with this. He says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. Everybody say, more than conquerors. I don't know if you've ever won anything before. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been on a team that's won a championship before. Uh, uh, I, 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 I was a member of the 2010 Lakers that won the championship. I wasn't on the floor. I was injured. I was injured. But the joy that is on their faces when they've come through all of the challenge and the, and, and, and the trial and the tribulation of a, of a long season and there to get to the very, very top and they're hugging one another and they're jubilant and, they're, and some are crying and some are, are on the ground and they can't believe it and, and the confetti is falling from above and they're hugging coaches because they have conquered. What a joyous time. If you've ever won anything with a group of people, you know that it's a joyous time to overcome. I would suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, that God has let us know that we're part of a championship team. That we're more than conquerors through him. And I'd like to part here parenthetically as we talk and as we share together that I love where this church is going, and I love what Pastor Davis is putting together with our grow groups. Because what the enemy loves to do is to take conquerors and to separate them into groups of loneliness. And as they are there all by themselves, you understand that this is how predatory animals hunt for their prey. Because they look at a pack of people together and they say, there's no way that I can attack a pack. But if I can pick one off and separate it, I have a better chance of having a meal. And so what the enemy will try to do, even in this very church, is try to find those and pick you off and say, you're the only one that's going through this. There's no one that cares about you. There's no one that loves about you. The pastor don't care about you. The church doesn't care about you. No one loves you. You should just leave altogether. We're looking to combat this head on because... Because we know we are stronger together than we are alone. There's no reason in the body of God we're five, six, seven hundred in here that any of us should ever be alone. But I know. I know that some feel that. And I want to challenge you. 
That as we enter into this season and as we build grow groups, that you do something different and you join and you partner in. Because if you're going to continue to have a conquering mindset, you can't do that alone. And you don't have to do it alone. We grow better together. Can you say amen? We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he ends with this. He says, for I am convinced, everybody say convinced, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the presence nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Everybody say all creation. Now, sometimes we read through these things too quickly. Do you realize that said all creation? All creation. Literally all creation. All creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. A word to the child, to the teen the young adult, to the middle-aged, to the seasoned in years, that a new executive order was written at the foundation of the world. And that new world order, that new order that he has set out for us, does not involve people in white tents. It does not place people under mylar blankets and separate them from one another. That order does not cause people to cry out unheard. It does not put them through an unfamiliar process. It does not cause unnecessary pain in it. And it does not operate under the pretense of hate and anger. It operates under a zero tolerance policy. And the zero tolerance is that we tolerate all people in love. There is zero tolerance for hate and zero tolerance for exclusion. There is zero tolerance for being exclusive. There is only a place for inclusiveness and only a place for love and only a place for grace and only a place for hope and only a place for love. That's why we here at this church say love, grow, serve. Because we realize that when we lead with love, That we accomplish the first thing that God has set out for us to do. You can begin to play one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible. Invokes this powerful word of love. John 3, 16. For God so the world. For God so the world. For God so the world. The world. We as believers in Jesus and believers in Christ and believers in the word of God, we operate off of the principle of love. But I have you to know and understand 
that love is a challenging thing. Because sometimes it's not easy. It's not always easy to do. But that's what growing in Christ does. It causes us to go into those uncomfortable places and do uncomfortable things under, under the power of Christ who leads with love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. The blessed hope is this. Christ came. And he was so adamant about being with us that he walked this earth with us. Died on the cross. Rose again. And he left us with a promise that if I leave, I have prepared a place for you and I'm going to come back again. What that means is this is that all throughout time he is bridging the gap between what happened during the fall of man to the day that we presently are here and what bridges the gap there. If you picture that gap in your mind, it is the cross that bridges the gap. And what led Jesus to the cross? It was his deep love for us. And why did he love us so much? Because he couldn't stand being separated from us. Why has he created a place for us? Because he wants to hang out with us. He's not mad at you. He's in love with you. So, for someone who might have heard or might have sat in churches and in places where humans did not show the love, I want you to know that God's love I'm praying that God's love will bring you back to him and not to humans. For someone who might be discouraged by the challenges that they are facing in their life and they're questioning why they are in this journey of life and and it seems as if their cries out to God have fallen on deaf ears, I want you to know that God is hearing you and he still loves you. Oh, Pastor, you're talking a whole lot about about love today. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. The Bible takes it one step closer and one step deeper. He says this love thing is so deep that you can't even love me if you don't love one another. So some of us got some things we got to resolve today. Amen. We got some things that we got to we got to say God, I'm 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 uncomfortable with some things. So I got some anger, I got some hate, or I got some some grudges that I'm holding. I got some things inside of me that are that are standing in between and I and I thought that I would be good if I could just hold on to this one little thing. And I would suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, that your journey with Christ will go deeper and it will go further when we begin to let those things love and let those things go and operate under the executive order of love that comes from God.
Life isn't always fair. But I'm so glad that God's grace and his love, his unmerited favor, sometimes, even at the last second, if we cry out to him, he says, you're good and you're in. The story goes that there was a man that was there on the cross with Jesus. Didn't have time to go to church, put on a suit and tie. Didn't have time to do Bible studies. Didn't have time to go and return a tithe and an offering. Didn't have time to come and lift his hands and praise God. But he turned over and he said, look, if you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords, when you come again, Will you save me in your kingdom? And while they were there taking their last breaths on the cross, Jesus uses some of his last energy to say, Today you'll be with me in paradise. In other words, I love you so much that you are in. And if you'll do that for someone there taking their last breaths, how much will he do for you?